You're listening to Comedy Central. A trailer can only do a trailer can only do one of three things. A trailer can spoil the movie, or a trailer can hype up the movie and it doesn't meet up to it, or the trailer can, trailer can make it seem like the movie's going to be shit and then it's not. What am I watching the trailer for? You only need trailer. You don't need a trailer for the Matrix. I need a trailer for the first Matrix because I'm like, why, why would I just go watch a movie about the Matrix? Now I'm at like a computer movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> now I'm like a movie about routers and shit like that. You've got to watch a trailer for the first one. But there are many movies that don't need a trailer. I can't watch a trailer for the Matrix. I know everything I need to know about this movie. Everyone who watches the trailer, you're wasting your life as a person. What are you watching a trailer for? I want to know if they're going to punch. I think they're going to punch, guys. I want to know if there'll be guns. I, I can guarantee you there'll be guns. Will there be some slow motion? I'm going to put money on that one as well. Okay, but are they going to wear black? Look, my friend, there are a few things I can put money on that are definitely going to be happening there. Is Morpheus going to be bald? Yep, the last time I checked. What is a trailer going to tell me about The Matrix? Nothing. It is a waste of my time. It can only spoil my experience. I will concede that a trailer is good to pique your interest. You cannot have a mate any trailer for a movie that has already existed. What I do is like when those trailers play, after like 20, 30 seconds, I look into my popcorn and I ignore everything. I refuse. If they're gonna make a new Godzilla movie now or a new King Kong movie, this is the, the all the trailer needs to be is this. Boop, 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 boop. Then you see an eye. Boop, 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 boop. I'm gonna come watch it. <laughs> Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, houses are too expensive. K-pop. And Governor Gavin Newsom. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Let's jump straight into today's headlines. There's a lot going on in the world today. The big international news is that President Biden held a video meeting with Vladimir Putin to warn him not to invade Ukraine. Yeah, and a video chat is a tough way for both of these guys to do diplomacy. I mean, especially because even when he's in person, Biden talks like he's got a bad connection. Man, come on, man, Vlad, you, you gotta, you know what the thing we're, we're trying to do in the border, you gotta, man, we gotta, we gotta, come on, come on, come on, man, we're luck. Joe, you're cutting out. No, Joe, I cannot hear you. You are cutting. Reboot your ser- You know what? I reboot for you. I have access to White House servers. Not Kamala. She doesn't use Bluetooth. Everybody else. All right, let's move on to some technology news. Everyone loves Tesla cars. They're like if a Prius did ayahuasca. But now they're under fire for a new feature that allows drivers to play video games like Solitaire on the dashboard screen while driving. Yeah, which, guys, come on. How are we supposed to drive and play video games, and text, and eat breakfast, and do our makeup, and flip off other drivers for not paying attention to the road. It's too much now, people. And also, I can't emphasize this enough. It's not worth dying in a car crash just to play a video game. I mean, at least not solitaire. You know, if God of War was on there, then yeah, I'll drive off a cliff. But solitaire, shit. St. Peter will be roasting your ass at the pearly gates. Solitaire? Your bitch ass died for solitaire? Yo, this shit is hilarious. Yo, Mother Teresa, come hear this, come hear this. Yeah, bring Jeffrey Epstein with you. Can bring Jeffrey with you. Yo, this shit is crazy. Wait, what? Jeffrey Epstein's in heaven. Are we just gonna carry on like that didn't happen, guys? We just gonna let that go. How did he get into... All right, let's make like every bachelorette party and go to Nashville, Tennessee. 
where another Confederate statue has been removed. This time, it's one that was put up in the 1990s. Yeah, and it's of the first KKK leader, Nathan Bedford Forrest. And I'm gonna be honest, you know, this, this statue here was actually the one Confederate statue that I feel should have been kept up. Because I mean, look at it. Shit is hilarious. When have you ever seen a statue where the general looks like he's shooting his way out of a saloon, you know? He's just like, his horse doesn't even have reins. Every other statue, the general sits there like a wise old man. This dude looks like he stole a horse in Red Dead Redemption. I'm getting out of here! Ah! I mean, look at his face. I've never seen a statue that's panicked. Who makes a statue of your moment of panic? He looks like he found out, he just found out what a Barack Obama is. They said what? He's the ruler of who? Ah! In fact, I realized, you know what? We don't need to take down any Confederate statues. Yeah, we should just say whoever designed this statue has to design all the other statues. Then both sides win. Yeah, and if this general really did look like this in real life, I think it would explain a lot. You know, he was probably the first guy at the Klan rally who said, you know what? We should all wear pillowcases over our faces. You mean to scare the darkies? Oh yeah, sure, that's why. All right, but let's move on to our main story. For decades, owning a home has been one of the core parts of the American dream, just below dating Pete Davidson. But right now, actually buying a home is harder than Matt Gates watching the new Saved by the Bell. With the housing market red hot, prospective buyers are trying not to get burned as demand soars, but supply is limited. Home prices rising at their highest rate in 15 years and demand so intense that Redfin reports nearly half of homes are selling within a week of hitting the market. Prospective home buyers in astronomical bidding wars, homes vanishing from listings hours after being posted. You go to an open house, there could be 50 cars in a line outside waiting to see that property. People are are so desperate that they'll court favors, uh, get, uh, you know, potential sellers, uh, tickets to rare events. Even houses with notorious histories are selling. This is the 100-year-old Mediterranean-style home in L.A. where the Charles Manson family murdered Leno and Rosemary LaBianca in 1969, but in today's market, it was snapped up for $1.8 million. Okay, 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 I know what you're thinking right now. Why on earth would you buy that house? Someone was murdered there. Yeah, exactly. Someone has already been murdered there. What are the odds it'll happen again? I mean, I'd sleep like a baby in that place. But seriously, people, the housing market has gotten crazy in America. I mean, some people are buying a house just hours after it's posted online. A house, hours. Meanwhile, I read reviews for six months before I finally decide which water bottle to buy. Now that I think about it, I should've gotten the blue one. But the question is, why has it become so hard to buy a home in America? Well, let's find out why in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. When it comes to why the housing market has gotten so insane lately, it's kind of a perfect storm of many different factors, right? You've got not enough homes being built to keep up with the population growth. You've got historically low mortgage rates, so more people can buy houses. And then on top of that, more people are able to work from home. So they're leaving the city for the suburbs, where maybe, yes, there's not as much excitement, but you and your spouse have way more space to murder your neighbors. But it turns out there's something else driving up demand for homes, and that's who is competing for them more than ever before, starting 
with the guys who tend to ruin everything, Wall Street. With home prices soaring to record highs, there are mounting questions about the billions of dollars big financial firms are pouring into the market and pricing out some would-be buyers. Blackstone has been on the single-family home buying rampage. It began late last year, going head-to-head with other major Wall Street players. Large financial firms, often backed by private equity, buy up and rent out single-family homes. The companies typically use computer algorithms to identify desirable property so they can bid quickly They're very aggressive. Their offers come in all cash. They come in sight unseen. So as soon as the house hits the market, you got an offer from them. Okay, Um, and they're ready to close within a few days. There's about 25 to 35 percent of the houses in this neighborhood are owned by Wall Street landlords. One of them is Invitation Homes, which owns more than 12,000 single family houses in the Atlanta area and nationwide more than 81,000. Three other large firms own more than 100,000 homes combined. One of them just announced a five billion dollar fund to buy more. Okay, okay, I know what you're thinking right now. Why on earth would we allow Wall Street to mess with the housing market? They caused the housing crisis. Yeah, exactly. They already caused a housing crisis. What are the odds it happens again? Not sleep like a baby in that place. But yes, Wall Street is now buying up tons of homes all across America. Because what better way to fix your image problem than to become the nation's biggest landlord, I guess. And regular people, regular people trying to buy homes, well, they don't have much of a chance going up against Wall Street. I mean, Wall Street usually has more money. That's kind of their whole thing. Your only hope is to like try and distract them by asking how their crypto is doing. Yeah, and then by the time they're done answering, you'll be in escrow. But it turns out there's another group. There's another group that's driving up prices and they're not bankers. Yeah, it's not evil, greedy bankers. In fact, it's your mom. There is a generational fight that's playing out and partially to blame for more expensive home prices. You've got 90 million millennials, largest generation in US history, storming the marketplace and really looking for that, you know, dream of home ownership to start building wealth through owning their own property. So we have millennials aging into their home buying years. Baby boomers, meanwhile, are healthier, they're living longer and they wanna age in place. They're all competing for the same smaller houses. Baby boomers are looking to downsize while millennials and Gen Xers are looking to buy smaller entry-level homes. So many baby boomers are active in the housing market that it's become much more difficult for millennials to buy a house. In general, boomers have a lot more money to outbid them. That's right. Boomers are dominating the housing market and there's an eight-hour Beatles movie on TV. They live in their best lives. What's left of them? Because you know, this sucks for us millennials. This wasn't the plan, okay? You boomers were supposed to get old, then we would sell all your shit and move you into a nursing home where you get all the jello and geriatric hand jobs that you want, and then we take your house. That was the deal. You guys get to destroy the planet, we get the rec rooms, damn it. So with private equity squeezing them on the one side and their parents on the other, young people in particular are in a difficult spot when it comes to buying a home. And they really only have two choices. Go live in the woods, you know, make a home out of sticks and mud and join book clubs with squirrels, or get really creative. 
A new trend hitting the housing market. Millennials are teaming up with their friends to buy their dream home together. For a lot of these new homeowners, doing this is the only way they're able to afford a home. A growing number of young Americans are abandoning cities and flocking to the suburbs, finding their cheap dream homes in far-flung places. More millennials are buying fixer-uppers, a big draw for young buyers. Fixer-uppers are often cheaper. Sometimes they go for as little as $20,000. Where are they finding these gyms? Well, leave it to millennials to do their house shopping on Instagram on a page called Cheap Old Houses. Why do you think millennials are so attracted to cheap old houses? It's cheap and it's old. <laughs> you know, sometimes reporters ask the dumbest questions. Why do millennials love crappy old houses that nobody else wants? Because it's their only option. It's like asking me in grade school, Trevor, why do you love sitting by yourself at lunchtime? What draws you to a life of spending recess with your imaginary friends? I mean, do you know how hard it is to buy houses off Instagram? You gotta slip into the house's DMs. Yo, does the carpet match the drapes? <laughs> no, for real, I need to know if the carpet matches the drapes. I can't afford to buy new drapes, so I just need to know, man. I got a budget. So that's where we are right now. Thanks to boomers and Wall Street, owning a home may soon no longer be the American dream. The good news is, if you wait around long enough, you might still get a chance to date Pete Davidson. For a personal perspective on the nation's housing crisis and what can be done about it, we turn now to Desi Lydic. Desi, I understand that you've been looking for a house recently. Is that correct? Yes, I have. I had a two-bedroom apartment, but it's just too small with three kids running around. Oh, I didn't know you have three kids. Oh, I don't. I don't know whose kids they are. They just showed up one day and they wouldn't leave, so I had to. I'm sorry to hear that, Desi. Um, so how has your house search gone? Ugh, it was rough at first. I mean, demand is high, people are desperate, the open houses get mad if you take all the cookies, but thanks to a little outside-the-box thinking, I finally found the place of my dreams. Yeah, wow, Desi, it actually looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's got a chef's kitchen, walk-in closets, five washer dryers for all the cult members, and a rain shower. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, wait, wait, what was that last part? The rain shower? No, no, did you say a cult? Did you, did you join a cult? Okay, yeah, look, I know what you're thinking, but let me tell you what, if you want a house in this economy, your best option is the blessed door of our God King Craig. I mean, why pay half your salary for a three-bedroom house when for free you can live in a 75-bedroom compound and it comes with a home gym and a breakfast nook for a daily diet of hot dogs and s'mores? They only feed you hot dogs and s'mores? Yes, but the hot dogs are inside the s'mores. It prepares your body to merge with your future robot host or something. I don't know, I don't actually believe in any of this. What I do believe in is bathrooms and this place has 50. Desi, I don't think a large house is worth submitting yourself to a cult. I mean, does this Craig guy even know that you're just doing this for the housing? I don't know, why don't you ask him yourself? Craig, come meet Trevor. No, 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 please, no, no. The I day of judgment is upon us, Trevor Noah. Join my flock on the full moon of our final suicide orgy. We'll have it next to the heated swimming pool. I'm sorry, what? You've got a heated swimming pool? Yo, that shit is dope, what? I know, right? Come down to the suicide orgy and check it out. Come on, come we on can, now. We can leave before the suicide. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll see you guys there. Uh, thank you so much, Desi and Craig. Bye-bye. God King Craig. Uh, yes, yes, Desi and God King Craig. Thanks, guys. All right, when we come back, 
Roy Wood Jr. gives K-pop superstar group Espa a tour of his New York. You don't want to miss it. Man, suicide orgy. Sounds, sounds like fun. Welcome back to The Daily Show. The superstar K-pop group Espa was in New York City just the other day. And it turns out that our very own Roy Wood Jr. is a huge K-pop fan. So he decided to welcome them to New York in his own special way. When I heard that K-pop superstar group Espa and their avatar counterparts were coming to New York, I knew I had to meet them. Their innovative blend of digital and real-world performances has changed the K-pop game. And if I got to know them, maybe my nieces would stop texting me about how uncool I am while we're sitting in the same room. They needed an experienced tour guide to show them around the VIP way. Luckily, I parked in front of that guy. So I invited Giselle. Ning Ning, Winter, and Karina on the most informative New York bus tour in history. Where, where are the avatars? I've had seats for the avatars too. Oh, they're, they're in... They're in the flat right yeah. now. The f and what is the flat? It's like a virtual space for our Virtual? Avatars. Yeah, they're I, not real people. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I, knew, yes. I knew they weren't real people. I was just quizzing you. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. you ready to yeah. see New York City? Oh, City. Now, if you listen closely, yeah. you can hear the siren. Yeah. That is the official sound of New York City. Oh, oh, pizza! I want pizza. New York City bagels and pizza. Bagels and pizza. Yeah. What does Espa mean? Espa is well, the A and the E at the start of Espa means avatar and experience. So it's kind of like having a two-sided thing where we have an avatar friend and we experience a new world together. Like a virtual reality. So metaverse. Metaverse. Yeah. Like some metaverse. metaverse type stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, that I understand. Yeah. I understand the metaverse. I know a dude in the metaverse. He owes me twelve dollars. I figured the best place to start the tour was at every New Yorker's most favorite place. So this is Times Square. Yeah. Lots of videos and lights and flashlights. Yeah. It looks like if a computer virus took over New York. Oh. Lots of stuff going oh. on. In Times Square. There's even a spot in Times Square where there used to be a record store. Ooh. Record store? Yeah, you used to have to buy me. How old are you all? Oh, that's where I work, right there. Oh, wow. That's my building. Oh. Trevor Noah's in the wow. <laughs> Up there is where the ball drops. Wow, wow. Balls. I don't think they're doing it today. I think it's only on New Year's. I mean, I'm the I one that lives in New York, but if you say it's New Year's, Okay. Oh yeah, Harry Potter, that's the homie. I know Harry. Mm. Oh yeah. That trash can is where Oscar the Grouch lives. Oh, popular trash can. <laughs> and that pigeon was in Home Alone too, I think. This Home Alone? Yeah, that Home Alone. Oh. Oh. Espa was extremely impressed by my vast knowledge of the city. I think he's a liar. Manhattan, this is also where we have the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh. It's a really huge parade. We're performing in it this yeah. year. You should come watch. I'll try. I might be busy. Oh, why? I'm actually booked in the TJ Maxx oh. Thanksgiving oh. Day Parade. <laughs> it's not really a parade. It's like a little get-together in the parking lot. But oh. it feels like a parade if you drive slow. <laughs> That's cool. While I thought about how I was going to get TJ Maxx's phone number and convince him to throw a parade, it became the New York's second hottest shopping spot. All right, so this is Madison Avenue. There's a lot of fashion in this side of New York. A lot of different stores. Do y'all like shopping? Of course. OK, yeah, New York is known for fashion. Even the dogs here have fashion. Wow. Dogs wear nice sweaters. 
Then they go outside and pee. I think that's where Gossip Girl lives. Oh, uh, Gossip Girl. Hi, Blair. Boy, this tour guide thing sure was easy. I think he's a liar. There's uh, Chanel. Chanel. And, uh, Alexander McQueen. Y'all know Givenchy? Ambassadors for Givenchy. We're all ambassadors. You're all ambassadors yeah. for Givenchy. Yeah. This is Givenchy. This is Givenchy. That's Givenchy. All that's Givenchy. Yeah. We all Givenchy yeah. girls. This is TJ Maxx. Then it was off to the really expensive part of town. This is an American hospital. Oh, don't stare at it too long because it costs money to look at an American hospital. What? Our healthcare is so expensive. It costs money just to look. Oh. That was $10 right there. This is where Spider-Man fought Green Goblin. Spider-Man? Oh, Spider-Man? Spider -Man? Yeah. Um, also, I believe in um, Ghostbusters, um, the Ghost Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. The Avengers had a big fight right here. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't remember. Yes, the Avengers, <laughs> he was Thanos. He came down and they was fighting all. Iron Man used to live Whoa. around the corner. I was making progress. They were definitely impressed with my knowledge of New York fights. But wait until they see how famous I am. What's up, boy? <laughs> oh, yeah, if you see people recognizing me, it's because I got a video. Did a million views. Oh, congratulations. Oh, I'll teach y'all how to go viral. Oh. What's the most any of your videos ever done? Like, 100 million views. 100 million? In one, one video, y'all had one video of you? Yeah, one, one video. A hundred million? Yeah. Wait. <laughs> yeah. One hundred million. Yeah. I gotta get in the singing. Talk, talk to your people and see if y'all need like one more member. Do y'all need one more member? If you don't mind, you know, dancing and singing. I can't dance. Oh, then. Um, I can't sing either. Oh. I was starting to think I was losing the band's respect. So I decided to win it back by heading to the hottest spot for black performance and the hottest spot for white gentrification. This is Harlem. That's the Apollo Theater right there. Theater? Now, the Apollo Theater, no. that's where so many comedians have gotten their start, and the rest got booed by strangers, got booed so terribly that they almost gave up comedy. Their dreams almost never came true. Uh, so sad. So sad. <laughs> you know what, let's go to karaoke. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just a small town. As I ended the tour with a rendition of Don't Stop Believing," that was so good they asked me not to sing again, I could tell that I nailed this tour guide thing. But don't take my word for it. Just look at their five-star reviews that I made them type as I watched. The only question was, would they return the favor? When I come to Seoul, you all can show me around. Ooh, oh, yeah. cool. I'm bringing my avatar, too. Ooh. But he's not staying with me because he snores. Y'all got to ah. find somewhere for him to stay, please. Oh. Thank you so much for that, Roy. All right, when we come back, California Governor Gavin Newsom will be joining me right here in the studio. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is California Governor Gavin Newsom. He's here to talk about his new children's book inspired by his own lifelong struggles with dyslexia and how it has shaped him as a political leader. Gavin Newsom, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good really to good to see you again, Governor. It's been a while. Um, yeah. The last time we spoke was over Zoom. Yeah. It was at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. 
Um, just, I mean, obviously we're still in it, but just looking at everything that's been going on, how do you think California is doing right now in terms of the pandemic? Well, we were worried about the winter surge. Last year around this time, we saw a big spike in the Delta cases. In fact, we peaked in that first week of January where we were getting yeah, body bags right. from outside of the state. Uh, we had one of the best summers of any state in the country among the lowest positivity rate and case rates. Uh, we started to see an increase, but we're now about the fifth lowest, 2.2% positivity mm -hmm. in the country. And for one reason, at the end of the day, it's that we have led with vaccinations, administered doses. 93% now of adults have received at least one dose. And the key is to continue to promote these life-saving vaccines and boosters. That's the only way out of this. You, um, you've had a, a, like a, a really rocky journey, you know, <laughs> to say the least, in and around the pandemic. I mean, California went through a really tough time, yeah. you know, and, and then obviously the whole country saw the George Floyd protests and California saw some of the biggest, you yeah. know, and then, then you had the pandemic itself and then you went to the restaurant when people yeah. weren't supposed you to You didn't go. even mention wildfires. I, I didn't mention the wildfires. I was getting to the wildfires. Yeah. That was your personal wildfire. Yeah, that was. was uh, yeah, that was. That's... That was the certain choices we make, you own them. You know, tattoo, look, hey, hardly perfect. And those that are, God bless and write a book. I hope they do, <laughs> uh, but and I'm not. And I made it, it made a mistake, but yeah, I own them. Let me ask you this though. Does that mean though that as a governor, you would have the same level of maybe um, compassion for people who mess up with when they break the rules? I always have. And I mean, honestly, it goes in without even just jumping into the book, I always have. I'm very humbled by the, the, the nature of the world and life uh -huh. uh, and my own struggles and my own mistakes. And of course, when you have dyslexia, you have a learning disability growing up, uh, you're prone consistently to make mistakes. It's an anomaly when you don't make a mistake. That's interesting. Uh, and so for me, this notion of resilience and grit and determination, but look, the key, the life, you know, I think it was Churchill, another dyslexic said, secret of all success, moving from failure to failure with enthusiasm. You have to own up your mistakes, don't repeat them uh, and learn from them. And at the end of the day, look, I get it. We have to model better behavior mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. leaders. But one thing I'm proud of, we've been a model in terms of science and health outcomes. We have had a pandemic uh, like every state has, but we have not been shy to lean in, take leadership, and with that comes lumps. Let's um, talk about the book. <laughs> ben and Emma's big <laughs> hits. So they told me uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's gonna come on the show, he's writing a new book. And I was like, whoa, the last time a, a governor wrote a book, his uh, life didn't go so well. I was like, this, this could be risky, <laughs> but this is different. You wrote a children's book. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it was, it was really uh, endearing. You wrote a book about how, basically your struggles with yeah. dyslexia, which I, I, didn't, I didn't know you had. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, I did find it ironic that the way you discovered your dyslexia is that you read, read. through documents. But, yeah. but tell me a little bit about the well, story. Just, I just kept seeing my name and I'm wondering what the stack of documents were. And of course, wondering why I was going after school consistently. And I uh, didn't realize for years you were really struggling in school. I was right? struggling. I was doing speech therapy. In fact, you look at these. I, looked, I hadn't looked in 20 years at these old files. I mean, literally doing speech therapy, uh, learning disability that included inability to read completely and inability uh, to spell. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. still struggle. This is a lifelong issue. And of course, it's not unique to me. I mean, it's jaw-dropping. At least we estimate 20% of Americans, 20% of people around the globe have some form of learning disability. That's a, think about that number. That's huge, yeah. It's tens of millions of Americans, hundreds of millions of people around the globe, many that have been diagnosed, many that gotten uh, intervention support, many that haven't. Right. And so I just want to destigmatize this. I just met with a bunch of young kids, all of them that had learning disabilities and differences. And the number one thing they all have in common, self-esteem. And they feel demoralized. They feel that they're stupid. Right. And 
I had terrible self-esteem and I was in the back of the classroom and I had terrible grades and I can't read speeches, even today. So what do you do then before, how do you, how do you what do you do if you can't read a speech? I, I don't have a speech writer, I, it's all extemporaneous. So you just remember, you just... You just gotta go up, know your material. And that, that's another thing you learn in dyslexia. You gotta work 10 times as hard as anyone because else. Because you're using other parts of your brain, yeah. Other parts of your yeah. brain. I mean, it's awkward to admit all these things, right? Because oh, no, you wanna I, be the guy, this is right, my right, book right. about how great California and I am. <laughs> and, you know, I had a few setbacks, but let me tell you, the best is yet to come. And, right. uh, it's the opposite. This is a composite of me. It's my mom, a single mom. She passed away uh, almost 20 years ago. Uh, and she's Miss Kim and how she didn't give up on me even mm -hmm. though she struggled. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, it's heartbreaking. I got four kids. A couple of them are struggling with learning differences, differences as well. And as a, as a parent, it's much worse, trust me, than being a kid with dyslexia. Right, right, right. Is experiencing your own kids with a learning disability. What's the word that freaks you out the most? There's got to be like a word. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I never thought about that. I think perfection. It's illusory. It doesn't exist. And we're, we're consumed by it. Uh -huh. And uh, I just, I, I hate our education system that doesn't incentivize mistakes. It really is damaging beyond words. What we need is the creative. We need the innovative. If you don't make mistakes, you can't find a new way of doing things. In politics, I mean, we destroy people for making mistakes. Right. We do. And, and so as a consequence- Well, there's a difference though between, I think, destroying them and holding them accountable, right? You I always gotta that. find that balance. You gotta find that balance. Cause I don't think you've been destroyed. You're here and you're still the governor. Yeah. You know, no. some could say, you know, your actions at French Laundry meant that now you were taken to task. And then the people voted for you. I mean, you, what, 30 points. So yeah. clearly the people were like, all right, you know, Governor Newsom, we're gonna roll with you. But I think there is a balance sometimes in terms of like, destroying politicians versus holding them accountable because they have power over people's lives. 100%. And, 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 and not only are you right, let me make a distinction about the point I was making because I didn't say it effectively enough. It's not being held to account. You need to hold us to a higher level of accountability because of our unique positions. Mm -hmm. We have not just formal authority, but we should have, we should have some moral authority. So I could not agree more. But I think about it in terms of policy in terms of good intentions gone awry. Right. Not the failings, uh, but trying new things, being willing to take risks as it relates to it is, it is challenging. Strategy. Yeah, no, I hear you. And it that's where people say, see, oh, what, uh, that's complete, you know, they, they try right. to make that investment. The basement is complete in embarrassment and failure. Right, right, right. And yeah. then it's, you know, attacking your monitor. Yes. But, and that's where, in private sector, I, I have 20 businesses. I started as, a, uh, as an entrepreneur, restaurants, hotel, wineries. I'm really proud of pen to paper myself. No, no inheritance, no, mm -hmm, no, mm -hmm. and, you know, all I did, I actually did a, I, Every month gave an award to the person who screwed up the most. Wow. We had a failure award. I wish I worked in your company. It's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. But the and the reason you did this is to because? To incentivize initiative and responsibility. Like We're not victims. Be accountable. Let me ask you this then. Using your entrepreneurial spirit and mind combined with your leadership, Let's look at California. And California is not the only place, please don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you know, we've seen um, a spate of like, you know, shoplifting yeah. and like these mass things where they drive in, they steal a bunch of stuff and they go. And then we see some police chiefs now, I take what they say with a pinch of salt, but some of them say like, oh, well, it's because people know they can go and steal $300,000 worth of things. And then because there is, you know, no bail anymore for shoplifting, no matter how big the scale, people understand the risk versus reward ratio of what they're doing. So how do you find a creative way to create a safer state for people whilst also not jumping into the, you know, the industrial prison complex and then punishing people who shouldn't be punished because they can't afford to pay bail. How do you find that balance using that entrepreneurial mind? Well, 
I'm in a unique position to answer that for two reasons. One, I come from California, which led the nation in the lock them up, three strikes in your out, 1994, fear yes, of the others. Right. I mean, we were on the, the forefront of that, and we saw prisons increase, 175,000 people at uh -huh. peak. Uh, we had opened dozens of prisons and actually only opened up one new UC in that process, and yet crime kept going up and up and up. We advanced reforms, and we saw crime go down. Let me be specific. These folks, particularly on one of those networks, every single day is talking about something called Prop 47 in California. Mm -hmm. That was a reform in 2014 as it relates to the issue of shoplifting and property crimes. It would be a felony if it was crime that was committed that was $900 of goods. We're always different from $400, roughly $450. The reality is in 2015, property crimes went down. Larceny went down. Shoplifting went down. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So if it's the cause of the spike, it must have been the cause for the decline. Now, what's happening with the retail theft is unacceptable. We have to hold people to account, and we're doing that. And these are crimes well beyond the $900 right, threshold, right. so it's, it's rather specious, these arguments. Plus, 39 states, 39 Republican states, not just Democratic states, did the same thing that California did. 31 states today have higher felony thresholds in the state of California. Uh -huh. Interestingly, Texas has higher violent crime rates than California and property crime rates. Why isn't Fox talking about those states? They are scapegoating these reforms because they don't support the reforms. I'm open to argument, interested in evidence. If we find that these reforms are not producing as they were intended, uh -huh. then we will own that. Same time, we have to own the responsibility to address these organized criminal rings. Right. And these retail thefts are being done at scale right. in Minnesota and right. Chicago, it's not, spontaneous. not just yeah. California. And that's a whole different paradigm and challenge. And we are responsible, again, accountable to addressing that issue. And we're doing that. Well, thank you for the time. Thank you for writing a really fun book. And, I appreciate uh, it. Hope to see you again on the show. Great to see you. Ben and Emma's Big Hits is available now. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, our new Daily Show holiday merch has officially dropped, people. It's our happy belated holiday sweatshirt, the only gift that won't have you worried about supply chain issues. If you wanna check it out, scan the QR code or head to the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you die in a car crash while playing a video game, you die in real life. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.